You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 156. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. And as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here. And we're going to jump right in because we have had some amazing episodes, but it is really time to discuss how we discuss things. Now, as being uh, somebody who is a leading voice in communication and emotions and, and understanding how we as human beings get along, one of the coolest things that I have an opportunity to do is to reach out to people like yourselves at a certain particular age or part of their journey, their adventure through life. And for you all, you're, you know, depending on where in the scope of things I'm finding you, it could be middle school, high school, college, non-traditional. There's a myriad of people who've listened to this show, and it's been fascinating to be able to reach so many people with a show like College Success Habits. Across the board, one of the things that I notice when I have conversations with you all, for those of you I've had a chance to at live events and things of that nature is this idea of like, well, how do I have this conversation? This is a really tough conversation. I don't know how to have it. I don't know how to start it. What am I going to do in order to have a conversation with my parents about this really difficult topic or with my partner or with my professor or with whomever it might be? And we've covered how to talk to your professor in other episodes and how to have conversations with your parents because you're going through such wild changes. And Part of this episode is going to sound like it's only directed at those currently going through the college experience, but I bet if you use your imagination, you will find very particular times in your life recently where you have experienced a difficulty in having a conversation with someone that you really wanted to be able to connect with. And we talk about that the opposite of addiction is connection. We talk about that a lot on The Sober Show, From Sobriety to Recovery. And for a lot of us, the college experience is going to be ripe with vices. You know, it might be your first taste of alcohol or drugs or your first experience um, having sex and, or at least having some level of privacy around that, depending on how much you had to hide that behavior in high school. Um, you've got gambling and you've got food. I mean, you don't have meals being made for you if you were blessed to have a childhood in a teenage experience where food was prepared for you each day. You are now in charge of these things, which means that... <laughs> They can run amok if you are not paying attention to how you interact with things that have highly addictive um, histories around them. Even your phone is extremely addictive. Brain science is right now couldn't be better than it's ever been. Food science started up in the 50s and 60s, and we see where that's led us. You know, whether it be the fat-free craze in the 80s that was really just a whole marketing campaign by the sugar industry, all the way up to, let's face it, things are salty and sweet and savory for a reason. The no one can eat just one is a really catchy, you know, motto by, I think, Lay's Potato Chips. It's also the truth. 
if you can put your hand in that bag and only eat one, congratulations. <laughs> we will build a statue in your honor. So you have all of these things happening in your life and the freedom to do with them as you please for the most part in this college experience. So as you are growing and you're putting all of these new responsibilities on your shoulder, your ability to talk about how things are affecting you will massively shift how your emotional intelligence is growing and how much self-awareness you're gaining around all of these new responsibilities. If you bury things inside, you allow your emotions to continue to be pushed down and down and down, they will erupt somewhere. This isn't a matter of if, it is a matter of when. Your emotions will erupt. And the saddest thing about that is that we know, we know because of how much information is out there, that when people can talk about things, when people can join a group or have a heartfelt conversation with someone they love or care about or somebody they believe they can confide in, and please make sure you're choosing your confidants very carefully because the last thing you want is for that person to go run around sharing your stuff. So let's assume you found a trusted confidant and you know, you've contacted your best friend, your parents, therapist, a counselor, teacher's aide, someone that you can trust. Perhaps it's your partner, whomever that may be. You have things you want to share. And so what we're going to talk about today is really how you talk to someone. And I built an acronym around it because I teach this in my addiction recovery courses and at seminars and treatment centers and stuff. And I thought, well, everybody loves acronyms. Acronyms are easy to remember. There's a reason why people break things down. There's a reason why, you know, the National Aeronautical um, Space Association is called NASA. I really hope I nailed that acronym. (laughs) Or why the FBI is called that instead of the Federal Bureau of Investigations. Like, we enjoy using acronyms. So I created one, and it's called Stop and Start, which... It's going to be really interesting as we go through this because there's a reason why we start with the word stop. And the S in stop stands for simmer down. My voice sort of cracked right there, so I'm going to say it again. Simmer down. Why are we starting off with simmer down? If you go into a conversation super emotional. And I'm talking about like, not like wanting to cry as much as like being angry, being triggered, being activated to be aggressive. If you go into a conversation overly emotional in that regard, the conversation probably won't go very well. How many of you have made a good decision when you are super angry, super worked up, super uh, stressed out, full of anxiety? Right? Somebody snaps at you and you snap right back. And before you know it, you're screaming at each other. And that's not what needs to be happening if you want conscious communication, if you want to actually connect with someone. It's in those moments we have to figure out a way to put on the brakes before the conversation completely steamrolls itself right off the edge of the cliff. Simmer down. Too often times, we as humans get triggered by something and then we snap back and it becomes a yelling match which we end up having to apologize for if we have you know social decorum and 
what we're apologizing for isn't even what the topic of the conversation is that we wanted it to be. So you go in super high wound up, and instead of discussing what it is you want to discuss, you start airing out that person's dirty laundry. Well, you did this to me, and you did that to me, and you did this to me. And it becomes a tit for tat instead of about what it is you actually want the conversation to be about. If you want to sit there and say they did this and they did that and they did this, okay, again, we'll talk about personal responsibility here in a moment. I'm not saying not to say, well, you know, I asked you not to put the spoon in the sink or, you know, to when the toilet paper was empty to put a new roll on there or to not leave your towel on the floor. Okay, I get it. You have asked them, they did not do it, now you're upset. But if you go into those kind of conversations yelling at that person, they are going to shut off, they are not going to listen to you, and the conversation is not going to have the outcome that you want. So simmer down and think about your outcome. What is the outcome that you want this conversation to go towards? And then as you've simmered down, and you might have to leave the room, right? and you've thought about the outcome at the end of this conversation, I would like them to not leave their spoon in the sink, leave their video game on a pause on my TV because it's expensive and it'll freeze that picture on my TV and my TV's ruined, whatever it might be. You simmer down and then you would think about what is the outcome that you want. And then you go into the conversation and the, and the T and stop is for talk and summarize. So again, remember, stop and start is the acronym. This is the T in the word stop, talk and summarize. Now, I thought about being talk through summarization, but I think it's talk and summarize because a lot of the times, again, I'm looking at, I'm looking for patterns and habits that humans have in conversations. And so when you hear me say a lot of the times, it's because I do a lot of, um, these kind of conversations where I will literally coach people through how to have really tough conversations. And so I notice the language patterns that people establish. This is what I was trained to do through neuro-linguistic programming is to be able to recognize language patterns and understand are those leading somebody towards impossibility or possibility? Because we want to expand our choices in life, not decrease them. And when you have these heartfelt conversations with someone, you want to expand possibility. You want to expand choices. When you use a lot of negative words, you always, you never, uh, every time, you're limiting possibility. You're boxing someone up and their brain is going to start looking for ways that what you just said about them isn't true. You're always like, no, remember that one time you said be ready at four and I was, ha ha ha, you're wrong. And now... What, now you're having to backtrack that statement or that just totally pushes the conversation into another area? So we want to be using possibility-based language. And this is where talk and summarize comes into play because you're going to say a lot of words. My therapist always tells me, Jesse, great, you used 100 words. Now can you say it in 70, then say it in 40, then say it in 10, then say it in one word? Because when we get good at limiting the amount of words we use, we're more clear. And I say that knowing that for a lot of us, a lot of just normal everyday humans, right, who don't have years of training on how to communicate effectively, we tend to just sort of go into the word vomit. And that's okay. Because I'm a major proponent of any action is better than no action. So you might find yourself using a lot of words. And this person across from you is doing their best to follow you. But there's a chance, 
I almost said good chance, but I don't know what kind of chance it is. But there is a chance you will lose them. And that's okay. The meaning of the communication you're having with the person is the response you get back from the person. So if they seem confused, if they seem to not have followed you, this is where the summarizing comes into play. You might say a bunch of words for five minutes, and in the end, the summary is, and I just feel like I'm, and to summarize, I feel like I'm repeating myself a lot to you about things that I've asked you to do. Great. That's the end of your diatribe. Now it gives them a chance to respond. So you want to talk and then summarize the point that you are making. So it's extremely clear the message you're wanting to get across. If there's any lack of clarity on the receiver's end, that's your problem. That's not your problem. That's your solution opportunity to fix for them, to shift for them. This is why summarizing at the end is extremely important. I learned this from how I talk on stage. Even with the podcast, I might talk for 30 minutes and at the end I summarize the main points. So you have that at the very end and you know exactly what you can do with this information when you walk away, when you hit stop. When you're in a conversation with somebody, summarizing gives that person a very clear idea of what you wanted them to know and for how they can now respond. And this gets us to the letter O in stop. Open-minded listening. When you sit there waiting for your chance to respond rather than listening to the other person speak to you, you are missing an incredible amount of the information. You have been in a conversation where you feel like all that person is doing is waiting for you to stop talking so that they can start talking. Right? You, you might be like, where I see this happen a lot is when people start to, let's say, talk about where they're from or some sort of event that they intended. And they'll be like, oh my God, the crowd was so amazing. And the other person will interject and be like, oh yeah, I remember when I went to an event like that, the crowd was this, 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 or this. And then the next person will say, yeah, and our seats were amazing. And we had such a perfect view. Oh yeah, I remember when we went to the Horde Fest and our, our seats were so cool and everybody around us was just so happy. And it, it becomes this back and forth like a tennis match. What ends up happening is the person who wanted to share with you their experience of the event feels like they're in competition with you over the sharing of different events. I can understand the premise that every human wants to be seen and heard. They all want to be seen and heard. We're all addicted to love and connection. We want someone to pay attention to the things that are important to us. We want to be seen and heard. In the opportunity that somebody says, I want to share something with you. And instead of listening to them with an open mind and and taking in what it is they want you to learn about them, you're instead in your head thinking about how that somehow pertains to something you've experienced. And now you want to share your experience with them. So that this is a natural human occurrence. We think it's bonding us to that person. Oh, you like the color green? I like the color green. Oh, you like unicorns? I like unicorns. You like honeybees? I like honeybees. We think that's connecting us. What it's actually feeling like to the other person is that you're just mimicking them. You're just saying that you like all the things they like, and you're not actually taking in their information. It can actually be quite off-putting. And I know we've all found ourselves in the conversation where we felt like it was just a tennis ball going back and forth. And it's like, okay, I get it. You might like the color green and unicorns and honeybees as well, but I'm trying to tell a story here. Can you just let me finish this? 
and then we can wrap it up and then you can share what you'd like to share. So open-minded listening. If you are negating what the other person is saying to you in your head, well, that's not true. I don't believe that. That goes against my belief. That goes against my opinion. That goes against my values. That goes against my history of, of honeybees, right? Somebody might be like, oh my God, I sat in a whole field of jasmine and the bees were just all around me and none of them were bothered by me and they didn't swarm me. And it was just so cool watching, you know, bees fly around and just drink the nectar from these jasmine plants. And you interject, not me. I was in a field of jasmine one time and the bees were chasing me around the field. And then I fell into a hole and there was more bees and I got stung and ended up in the hospital. And the other person's like, I was trying to share a beautiful moment here. And you just negated everything I said because you wanted to interject with your story. And it's going to shut off communication. When you're arguing about a spoon in the sink, underwear on the floor, or your roommate eating your food, if you're not listening with an open mind for why they did it, for what their thought process was when the process, when they were in the act of eating your food, you're not sitting there, right? First, you simmer down so you don't go into it emotional. You just found out they eat your, your last piece of cake, right? You want to talk to them about not eating your cake and you summarize your point. Please do not eat my food. It's very important to me that when I open up the refrigerator, my food's in there. They're going to come back with a response. Do it with open-minded listening. They're going to express themselves. You might find out that they haven't eaten a real meal in three days, or you might find out that they were just having a sugar sugar craving, and the right they didn't care it was your last piece of cake. They wanted the cake. Even if that ends up being the end result, if you listen with an open mind, you can actually hear what it was that they were trying to take care of for themselves. People don't do things against you as much as they're doing it for themselves. Right? People don't. Um, talk behind your back just because they're a dick. In fact, they might be feeling inferior at the time in front of the people they're in front of, so they start to gossip about you in order to take the spotlight off of them because they actually are having their own emotional turmoil inside them. And the fastest way to shift the spotlight from them is to start talking smack about you behind your back. Now, it doesn't make it good. It doesn't mean you condone the behavior But we can all understand what it feels like to be put on the spot, have a spotlight shown upon us when we really just want to fade into the paint and we just want to do anything to take the attention off of us. Have people start laughing with us, have people um, bring us into the tribe to feel included. And it's in those moments when emotionally we can be led down a thought process of, well, I will tear down this one person in order to build myself up in this moment. It's not something that can be condoned. The person still has to take personal responsibility for choosing that method of communication to tear you down in order to build themselves up. But if you listen to them with an open mind, you will hear what needs they were trying to take care of. Certainty, variety, love and connection, significance, contribution, personal growth. We've talked about these in other episodes. These are the six human needs. And if you feel like somebody's wronged you, find out which one of these human needs they were trying to take care of within themselves. It'll allow you to empathize with them no matter how um, hurt you are by their behavior. And the P in stop is participate. This is where you may feel emotionally charged and want to shut down and no longer participate in the conversation. 
They may be interrupting you. They may be negating you, belittling you, sharing their opinion. You do not have to condone nor believe anything that they say, but you want to continue to participate in the conversation. Let them know what it is that you're feeling based off of what they've just said to you. And then this is the S in start. Stop and start, right? So first we're stopping to simmer down, talk and summarize, open-minded listening, and then participating, right? This is the opportunity to really get yourself grounded. That's why we're doing the stop, right? We want to get grounded. We want to be able to stay. We're going to share emotions, but we don't want to share from an emotionally charged place. So as you participate, well, let's get into the word start here. Speak freely. Allow this to be a conversation where both parties can share freely in the moment. And even if they say something that hurts you, even if they end up saying something that completely goes against and it becomes hypocritical of what they stated earlier, if you allow for the free flowing of ideas in the conversation, and at the end you can summarize, at the end you can come up with um, where, and we'll get to the, the T and start, the, the last T, we'll get to that take action part in a moment. You, you can re-summarize and say, okay, this is what we've discussed and this is what we agree upon. Because if somebody feels like if they misspeak, say the wrong thing, use the word never, always, everyone, when it doesn't pertain to what you're talking about, then all of a sudden you don't feel like you can be participatory. You don't feel like you can just talk and and be open-minded in your listening and in your receiving and in your giving. So you want to create an environment of speaking freely. Allow things to be misspoke. Allow somebody to say something that isn't necessarily as true as they believe it is. It will increase the opportunity to communicate. You'll be able to clarify any things that they may not be remembering as well as you do or just remembering it differently than you. But if you negate somebody while they're trying to share with you, then it's like what I learned in improv. Yes, and continues the conversation. No, but stops the conversation. I cannot tell you how many times I have been in a conversation with a friend, a girlfriend, a family member, and things are going great. And then they say, no, but... Now we're in a now we're in disagreement mode. I could say, "Wow, you know, it's sky is completely black right now." Yes, I can see how you might think it's black, but I'm seeing blue cuz you know, it's noon. Right? Well, I might be looking way off over there and noticing just a hint of a of a cloud and that cloud might look black to me. My version of black may not be your black, but if you don't even try to ask a question to find out why I said black, you just naturally assume you know what I'm talking about. You negate me, and now I don't feel like I can speak freely. And you know what? I'm just, no one wants to be in a conversation with somebody who consistently negates with them, unless you're both just into drama and arguing. And even then, at some point, you're just going to get tired of one another, and then there will be no future conversations, no future friendship, no future relationship. So start, the S stands for speak freely. And then the T, tell your story using I. Your story, tell your story using I. When you start to pepper your conversations with, you did this, you, 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 you. You are trying to tell a story with them as the center of it from your perspective. And your perspective is not going to be the same as 
their perspective. And if you get any of the details incorrect, their mind's going to want to negate you. Their mind and their ego is going to want to stand up for themselves. And next thing you know, the argument goes, or the conversation, right? We're trying to not be an argument. The conversation goes off into an argument. So you could say things like, I experienced anger when I saw the spoon in the sink. I experienced anger when I saw that my cake was eaten. I experienced, I felt, right? I chose to feel anger because I saw my cake being eaten, right? You chose the feeling, use the I word, right? Somebody else may have chosen to just be like, oh, well, I already had seven other pieces of that cake. They can have the last one, no big deal. Just because somebody eats the last piece of cake does not mean you have to be angry about it. So use I, I felt. Take personal responsibility for your part. And you might think, Jesse, 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 what part did I have to play in my roommate eating the last piece of cake? Well, did you actually tell them not to eat your cake? I know, you might have assumed because you told them not to eat your cake two weeks ago and then you brought in some new cake that they would just not eat this cake. But maybe they didn't. Maybe, right? They don't care. They disrespected you. I don't know. What level of responsibility could you take? I wasn't clear. I didn't label it well enough. I didn't let them know how important this piece of cake was to me. They thought it was just cake. I always have cake in the refrigerator, so why would they care about this piece of cake? Uh, They know I'll just have more cake two days from now. I keep using cake because I just feel like I'm trying to find something fun that a roommate might eat of yours in the refrigerator, right? But it could be, you know, the last toilet paper to the toothbrush, I don't know, to hitting on your your boyfriend or girlfriend. It can be any of that stuff. I get it. You think I should have to tell my best friend not to hit on my boyfriend or girlfriend. I totally understand. But there is a level of personal responsibility that when you take, it puts yourself back into the seat of power for yourself, not power over them power for yourself, that you are the creator of your story. You're not in the passenger seat of it. So when you talk in these conversations, use the word I as much as you possibly can. I told you to be there at 2.30 and then you showed up at 3. Okay, very good use of I and you in that. Just be mindful that if you consistently, well, you did this and then you did that and you, 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 you. They're going to feel attacked. They're not going to feel like you take any responsibility for what happened. And you might very well in that moment think there is no responsibility I need to take. But if you stepped back with an open mind, there's going to be something that you could say, well, I suppose I could have tried it this way. And it's with that possibility mindset that you guys can walk away from this conversation in some level of agreement about what you'll do next time so that you can have a different outcome. So number A for the start, it's the A. And A is for accept personal responsibility and accept the other person for who they are. Now, we just got done talking about personal responsibility, telling your story using I. So I wanted to bring that back to stress how important it is that you take personal responsibility for your actions. If they, if you say, well, you ate my last piece of cake, and they say, yeah, well, you drank my last soda pop last week. In the moment, you might be like, what the hell, dude? You already, you know, you soda pop's one thing. I can go down to the, you know, the convenience store and grab you a soda pop. That was fresh, awesome, homemade cake from my mom. It's not the same. But... 
You could have insulted them, hurt their feelings, and now they wanted to hurt yours back because you hadn't had this conversation yet. Now you both have a chance to be in this conversation, discuss how important it is that each of you do not eat each other's food, and moving forward, you can make that agreement and take action upon it each and every time you come to the choice point where you are eating their food or not eating their food. And then accept the other person for who they are. Things have happened in their life that have led them to have the perspective they have. Perhaps in their house, everybody ate whatever was in the refrigerator. It was no big deal. But now you're in college, you're both on limited incomes, and the things that you can afford to buy, you want to know that they're there until you either don't want them anymore and offer them up to the rest of the house, or they go bad, or you just want to know. I'm a huge, this is a huge thing for me in college. My, my roommates knew, do not touch my food. I know you might sit there and watch that loaf of bread age for a week. And then at some point, if I'm like, you know what, guys, I'm not going to finish all that bread. If you want any of it, please have at it. And then they would go and they'd devour it. I mean, literally, there was like they were like piranhas. But for me, I didn't want to go in there. I know you might think there's three, there's only three Oreo cookies left in this whole big package. And then you put them in a little tiny Ziploc bag and they sat in there for three weeks. You don't know what my plan was for those three Oreos. Maybe I didn't go buy more Oreos because I always knew I at least had those last three Oreos. That mattered to me. Then I come home ready to eat some Oreos and they're not there. And I'm going to feel angry because it's like, dudes, what the hell, man? Those are my last three. I've been sitting in there for three weeks. <laughs> you didn't buy them. It's none of your business how long they sit in there. I don't care if they grew mold. If I didn't tell you you could eat them, you can't eat them. But I accept the other person for who they are and that something was going on in their life that led them to want, need, or desire those last three Oreos. And I would at least like to have a conversation calmly and say, what was going on? Man, I was just... I was starving. I just, I came home from work. There was nothing else in the house. I just saw them and I just, I couldn't stop myself. Okay. I understand. I'm still not thrilled about it. You know, next time we go to the store, let's just split a bag of Oreos and then you can have some and I can have some and we all have Oreos. Again, I know I'm going after the food thing, but I promise you there's somewhere else in your life. You can create this, whether it comes to borrowing your clothes out of the closet or whatever, you know, setting the DVR to record something that erases something you need. You can find a place in this, your life, but food tends to be a contentious thing for people who are specific about what they want in their pantry to eat. And in college, I remember my fraternity brothers getting very pissed off at me that I'd get all drunk and then eat their Totino's pizzas. And yeah, they were only a dollar, but they went and bought those pizzas. And then they come over to the bar and they're looking for their pizza. And I was sitting over there at the table eating their pizza. It was rude. It was mean. At the time I was young and was like, screw you. You got tons of money to buy pizza. I got no money to buy pizza, but I had plenty of money to buy beer. So that was on me for making the decisions I made. So they were kind enough to accept that Jesse cares more about filling his belly with beer. And you know what? Some of them even started buying extra pizzas and writing my name on the box because they knew, (laughs) at least then, (laughs) they knew which pizzas I'd eat. So accept that person for who they are. Understand they have their point of view, their model of the world, and you may not agree with it. You don't even have to condone it. But you can accept the person and then seek to change the behavior by allowing them to understand how much it disappoints you or upsets you or hurts you that they did that. And that is great for the R and start. Reframe your perceptions of the other person, right? By understanding that they don't do anything against you. They do it for themselves. 
that they are not a bad person. They just did a quote-unquote bad thing. You can accept the person and then seek to change the behavior. Are your kids not bad for dropping the, the book bag in the floor? They did a bad thing. The dog isn't a bad dog for pooping on the floor. In that moment, they, they, their behavior was bad because you don't want them pooping on your floor. But then if you go around calling your kid or your roommate or your partner or your animal bad all the time, that's going to seep into them. All right, where is an opportunity where they weren't bad? Where was an opportunity where they did put the book bag away, where they did go outside and go to the bathroom on the lawn, where they did you know, call you when they got home to let you know that they were safe? Where was the behavior good? Congratulate the good behavior. Don't ignore the quote-unquote bad behavior but also celebrate the good behavior. And this is why you want to be able to reframe your, reframe your perceptions of the other person. They are doing the best they can with the resources they have. If you want them to be working on becoming a better version of themselves or understanding how you would prefer they behaved under the same roof with you, you can have those conversations. Just understand, they're probably going to have their own beliefs about how they would like you to behave or what they would like you to do. And there's going to be some level of negotiation, of open-minded communication that says, okay, you're not thrilled with the spoon in the sink. I'm not thrilled with your underwear on the floor. Let's both commit to putting the spoon in the dishwasher, to putting the underwear on the hamper. And when we do this in one day and we both notice it, let's celebrate it with one another. Because this will end these arguments over these little things. But if you don't discuss the little things, the little things grow into medium-sized things. And then once they grow to big-sized things, that's when the eruptions happen. That's when the screaming and the yelling and the cursing begin. If you don't talk about the little things, they will grow to big things. And I know we've all heard the book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, because it's all small stuff. But that book did not tell us not to talk about the things that were upsetting us. It said, if I remember, the, the whole premises of the book was just don't let it continuously spiral in your brain. Don't sit there and just be sweating the small stuff in your brain over and over and over all the time and just screwing it in and letting it grow bigger and bigger and bigger. If it's something that upsets you, then talk about it. I think a lot of people read the cover of that book and just assumed they knew what the, what the book was talking about. Don't sweat the small stuff because it's all small stuff. Oh, okay, cool. So, you know, don't, don't yell at me about my underwear. It's, that's something small. Just get over it. Telling somebody to get over something is not conducive to healthy conversation, communication, or loving experiences with one another. It's just not. It's just not. Telling somebody to get over something is insulting. So the sweating of the small stuff doesn't mean ignore it. It means talk about it in a calm manner. Stop and start. And the T is for take action. It's number four principle in my seven powerful principles book to help you excel in college and beyond. Right? You can find that on damn near every website now. Oh, I'm in Walmart now, so that's pretty cool. Um, take action. What is it you discussed? What are the behaviors you're looking to modify? What are the agreements that you made? Now take action on those. I've noticed within myself, let alone with clients and people that I've talked with and teached and whatnot, that sometimes, like, let's just take me and my girlfriend. She might say, you know, can you please do this? And 
there's a part of me that's like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. But then there's a part of me in the back of my head that's, I, I'm almost, I'm not afraid to do it the next time it comes up, but I don't want to seem like a, I don't know, a little bitch. I don't, I don't want to seem, okay, isn't that awesome? I got somebody trying to call me. So uh, there you go. That's what happens whenever your uh, computer has its volume on and somebody decides they're going to try to FaceTime you while you're doing a podcast. <laughs> I'm not editing that out. I just want you to know that this is my office. Um, what ends up happening in my head is I don't want to come off as like somebody who's easily bossed around or a little bitch or can be taken advantage of, right? So I don't necessarily want to quote, do that thing that they're asking about in that moment because it's like somehow I will feel like uh, I'm getting walked all over. But here's the thing about that. If you've had a conversation, if you've sat down, if you have discussed this, and then you've come to an agreement, it is not being a little bitch or being walked all over or you know rolling over or being taken advantage of. You've talked about it. You've agreed to it. Just do it. Just take the action and do it. They're going to see that when they have conversations with you, that you follow through on these things that you're willing to change yourself in order to create this loving, amazing environment in the house. And then in the future, when you have more of these kinds of conversations, they're going to be more apt to be willing to shift around and change their behavior to be more conducive to what you would enjoy. This is how long-term relationships last. This is how people grow together instead of growing apart. It's through the actual taking of action of things that you have talked about. And it's really important that if you're feeling some weirdness around it, be like, oh, you know, I mean, it's like, all right, I'm putting the soup, I'm putting the spoon into the dishwasher. But I just want to tell you, it's like, I'm not a little bitch or you're not walking all over me. You can't, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. If you want to express that, fine. But then that's another opportunity to talk about your emotions. Because why are you feeling like you're getting walked all over by simply agreeing to something that makes the other person feel happy, brings them some level of joy? They might really care about the cleanliness of their kitchen, and your version of cleanliness may not be the same as theirs, but it doesn't make either one of you wrong. It just gives you an opportunity to come to an agreement about what your shared experience of a clean kitchen will be. And more than likely, the person who really wants it clean is going to have to give a little bit. They probably already have been, leaving crumbs on the cabinet and, and crumbs on the floor and not getting upset about it. So a spoon washed or in the dishwasher isn't going to kill you. You're not getting trampled all over because you just say, yes, I can do this for you because it will bring you some level of happiness. And this goes back to accepting the person for who they are, right? understanding that they have a model of the world reframe them as being OCD and a clean freak and just say, wow, I really like the fact that you like to keep our house nice and tidy. This makes me really happy that that's important to you and I will do what I can do to participate in keeping our house nice and tidy. If you stop and start, I promise you, this will change the way you communicate with people. It will change your relationships at the foundational level. So simmer down. Don't go into these conversations. Now I'm going to summarize. This is the summary. I've just talked a long time. Now I summarize. Simmer down. Do not go into these conversations emotionally triggered. The T in stop stands for talk and summarize. You're going to say a lot of words. Summarize them at the ending so there's clarity. 
O in STOP stands for open-minded listening. Listen to learn, not to respond. Listen to learn, not listening to respond. Listen to learn. I will say it for a third time. Listen to learn with an open mind. They're going to have their perceptions of the world. You're going to have yours. Theirs are no more wrong or right than yours are wrong or right. Everyone is equally allowed to have their viewpoint on the world that they have chosen to have. And if you go into it open-minded, you can actually ask questions that will more than likely help you both understand why is it they care so much about the spoon in the dishwasher. Tidiness might be a big thing for them. Maybe their parents were hoarders and their house is full of garbage all the time. But if you don't ask questions, you won't know. And it's in the knowing that it will actually make you both more connected. And when you find this connection, you learn to know them better, you trust them more deeply, you love them in an outstanding way. The P stands for participate. So stop, simmer down, talk and summarize, open-minded listening, participate. Continue participating even if you feel emotionally charged negatively. Continue to participate. If you stop the conversation and walk away, things will not get fixed. There will be no happy ending. You've got to continue to participate. And then in the start, we've got speak freely, tell your story using I, accept personal responsibility, and accept the other person for who they are, reframe your perceptions of the other person, and then take action. Start. Speak freely. Allow somebody to say something that's a little off. If they use a, a word like always, never, you know, every time, everyone, allow that. They don't necessarily mean that. People speak in definitives. You can correct it, but at least allow them to speak freely and then say, okay, I heard you say every time. Surely it's not every time. But is really, is that the, is that the contentious point right now? Or is there an opportunity to continue the conversation and then after it's all said and done and you've come to an agreement and you're ready to take action, you could say, you know, you know, just out of curiosity, when you said every time I'm late, has there never been once that you can remember where I've been on time? And no, there's not. Okay, well then let's start creating those memories now. All right? Who cares whatever they perceive of the past, it's not who you were or what you did, it's what you're doing and what you'll do. Tell your story using I. If you fill the story with a bunch of you, 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 use, then they are going to feel like you're not taking personal responsibility, which is accepting personal responsibility for yourself and accepting the other person for who they are. Reframe your um, perceptions of the other person, right? This is all about just being able to say, oh, I see you did that. It's not against me. It was just something that you did for yourself. I will reframe this. You are not selfish. Just in that moment, you did something that I perceived as selfish. That simple reframe will allow you to lessen the hold you have on your anger and animosity and instead open your arms to love and connection. And finally, take action. All of this conversation is for naught if the behavior doesn't start to change. You want to change the behavior. If you feel like you're being taken advantage of, then in, in that moment is the opportunity to negotiate. You want the spoon in the sink, I want your underwear off the floor. Come up with something so that you feel like you're walking out of this. And if it's, you're just doing a tit for tat, then I ask that you reframe that and say, okay, I understand what you need. But there's more than likely something that you also have needed. And maybe this is the opportunity. Maybe you only know your, your, your perception of this conversation. 
But if they're asking for a certain level of cleanliness in the kitchen, you might be looking for a certain level of cleanliness in the bathroom. And perhaps the summarizing at the end and the taking action of the, at the end of the conversation is that everyone is going to now participate in the cleanliness of the entire home. So no one person feels like they're in charge of any one area. So that's it, my friends. Stop and start. If you begin, not if, but when you begin to run your conversations, to run your experiences of other people through this acronym, and I'm going to turn it into a free ebook and put it up on my stand store and to put it up on my website, and that will be out soon. So if you're listening to this in the archives, follow the link um, at the bottom to my stand store. I will be offering this acronym as a free PDF so that you have an opportunity to not only listen to this episode, but also to go get the free PDF. I would recommend printing off the page that has this whole acronym on it, Stop and Start, and you can slap it up on the fridge. And then whenever you guys go to start having a conversation, if you notice you're all showing up into it lit and angry, be like, mm, stop, let's stop and start this conversation over again. And let's follow these criteria right here. Get the other person involved with how you're seeking to, to grow and evolve through the learning of new communication techniques. And then apply them. And then evaluate after you're done applying and see how it worked for you. Where do you want to tweak it? Once you start doing this enough, you're going to start noticing your own version of an acronym popping out. You're going to start noticing what's really working for you and what you want to shift around a little bit to work for you even better. And when you come to those realizations, that's when you're stepping into your true, true highest sense of self. That's the level of self-awareness you want. Learn this now. Learn this now in high school and college and watch the rest of your life feel like it is full of fruitful and loving relationships. As always, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. As always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here. Please check me out, jessemogul.com. Follow my links in the summary of this entire episode. Check out Stan Store. Go get your free ebook. Join the tribe and come learn more from me. As always, it's a pleasure. See you next week. Bye-bye.